0: in a world where technology continues to make advances, where AI takes away the creative powers from man and thus further removes us from the image of God we were created in. Our guest today helps us understand why finding God in nature is vitally important for us men and how we must prioritize this time in our lives. Stay with us. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are your hosts, Sam Guzman and John Heinen. We are actually recording this episode during the octave of Easter. Thanks be to God. We pray that all of you might have had a blessed Easter, and that it might continue to be so that we might... Uh, really sharing that love and be men of gratefulness. I also want to thank our sponsor for today's episode. That's Estovere Expeditions. They uh, run expeditions. They run um, these retreats for men out in the wilderness. We're going to put their link in the show note. Definitely check them out. We've got Father Kenneth Kenneth LeBlanc joining us on the episode today, and he's actually going to be uh, the priest at one of those uh, retreats in July, and we'll get to that later. But just uh, thank you for Our sponsor, Estovere Expeditions. So today we are joined by Father Kenneth LeBlanc. He was born and raised in Rogersville, New Brunswick, Canada. He joined the Priestly Congregation of the Legionnaires of Christ in Connecticut in 1990. He continued his studies in the USA, Canada, and over to Italy, and earned his philosophy and theology degrees from Regina Epistolorum in Rome. I think I said that right, on December 25th, 2002. He was ordained a priest in Rome, Italy, thanks be to God, Some other information about father kenneth here is that he is a chaplain of the regnum christi movement there in canada and throughout his ministry father kenneth has been working to help people live out their baptismal calling to the fullest and accompanies them to become their full potential as apostles for the missions he does a lot of other great things such as leading these retreats and pilgrimages um, for men and for women he currently resides in calgary alberta And he enjoys spending time out hiking and scrambling in the beautiful Canadian Rockies, which he lives right next door to. Thanks be to God. Father, how are you doing today?
1: Very good. So happy to be here.
0: No, we really appreciate it. So, I mean, for our first question, just to get uh, men to know you a little bit more, um, tell us a little bit of story about why you chose uh, to become a legionnaire, why you chose uh, this pathway in your priesthood. Uh, Just love to hear how God called you.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, it would be surprising because at, at five years old, in my family, there was very little religion. Like uh, there was no prayer. My parents were French Canadian, and, and French Canadians were all Catholics, but uh, a lot of them don't practice. So mm. my dad was in you know the sixties, seventies, um, living the hippie lifestyle, oh. and he was. They were quite young. They got married. Uh, they were only eighteen and sixteen. Mm. And they had me when my mom was 17, my dad was 19. So I kind of saw them grow, you know, and mature. But uh, when I was five years old, uh, like there was no religion, there was no prayer. And then all I remember is my dad coming home one day uh, and he completely changed. It's because he had been hitchhiking and he picked up, he was picked up by this, this hermit. You know, we live not far from a monastery, a Trappist monastery. And there was a hermit that lived on that land uh, in the woods and so he stopped to pick up my dad and they started having a conversation so uh, and it just completely changed him and he just arrived home and we started saying the rosary every day put to mass every sunday going to confession you know every month or so yeah it was a complete change so this guy was really a pretty a special guy uh, this he was a medical doctor we had left everything uh he used to be a banker he used to be in you know he's all from all over the world um and he spoke like seven languages now he's uh at that point he was uh, like a rabbinical scholar wrote books to help the jews discover christ and um and so yeah so he lived like two kilometers from my house and so he's the one that picked up my dad he had he looked like Gandalf, you know, he like long, white hair, long, <laughs> white
0: The story just gets better. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, so my dad became really good friends with him. He brought him to our house. And uh, so when he saw me, the hermit, he said to my dad, he's going to be a priest one day. Wow. So my dad never told me this, you know, because he didn't want that to influence me, but he told me to me later on. And I always felt that hermit always had, that man, brother Antonio Piso, that was his name. He always had sort of a like an eye on me, you know, to mm. help me out a bit. So I became later on much closer friends with him. But anyway, so uh, so he really changed my my dad and my mom followed along. She was very happy because things were not going so well, mm. and so they the whole family changed and became sort of a very Catholic family and did a lot of prayers and uh, and you know we came close to God. And so that was sort of the beginning, you know, of, of wow. that uh, road towards the priesthood. And I remember thinking about the priesthood since I was five or six years old, you know, praying the rosary, seeing those monks, seeing that monk, uh, the Trappist. Um, it's just it made me like wonder about those guys. It just made me, yeah, I want to be one of those guys, you know. Mm. And so I had that desire always to to be a priest from that day on. So. Wow. And then then moving along when I was a teenager, I kind of put it aside. Uh, I, I didn't pray as much. Good kid, going to mass on Sundays, uh, things like that. But I, I kind of left uh, my relationship with God was not as strong as it was when I was a kid. And so the priesthood, I still felt it. I still, but I, I didn't want anything to do with it. You know, so I was more interested in the weekends and my friends. And but When I was about 16 years old, um, I felt sort of an emptiness about life because yeah, so we're all kind of living for the weekend, you know, we just kind of wait, can't wait for the weekend to arrive, mm-hmm. but then that goes by very quickly. Monday, mm-hmm. and then so I was always trying to look for a reason to live on Monday. What makes mm-hmm. you tick on Monday? You know. Oh. So I started thinking about God again. And uh, so I, I started uh, longing for some deeper thing. So because I felt what's after this, you know, there's going to be university. And then so I, got, I just felt sort of a, my, my childhood is gone now. Now I have to be serious about life. And so I was looking for more meaning. And I remembered what my dad told me when I was about seven or eight. He always told me, you know, one day we're going to go to the Trappist Monastery and we're going to do a retreat there together. And for some reason, because my dad told me that, I uh, I always had it in me that one day I'll do a retreat there. And so like the, the Holy Spirit of God reminded me at that time, hey, you should go do that retreat that your dad was talking about. It's funny how something your dad says to you when you were like six or seven, you remember it so clearly. It's just that mm-hmm. God used that when I was 16. He never mentioned it afterwards, but he used that to bring me there. And so I ended up, at 16 years old you know my leather jacket jeans long hair (laughs) and uh on the friday night at this trappist monastery and uh and i remember there was a voice that was telling me that night because i was the only guy there the only young guy there and so uh he said "Well, what are you doing here you're the only weird guy on a friday night that's here on a friday night and and uh remember there's a party going on over there why don't you go there so there was always this voice speaking to me and i almost left that night but then there was another voice talking to me you know deep down like a little still in your conscience right saying go on your knees pray the rosary Mm -hmm. and so i decided to listen to that and i went on my knees prayed the rosary and all of a sudden that other voice that was trying to get me out got away it was gone and so, and I stayed there and I started reading books about St. Francis about, and I felt this incredible peace and just, I was on my own there. And, uh, it just started like a relationship with God that was much deeper than ever before because I stayed there at that retreat, you know? And, uh, anyway, I went home and then my, uh, when I went to school on Monday, my uh, my two friends, my two closest friends came to me and said, hey, where were you on the weekend? And I wanted to kind of keep that quiet, you know, like going on the weekend on the Trappist Monastery. That's not something you usually do. But uh, so I told them, yeah, I went on to do a retreat at the Trappist Monastery. And they looked at me and they said, well, why didn't you invite us?
0: <laughs>
1: so, so I was like, okay, well, great. Well, let's go next weekend. So I brought to the next weekend. We were three of us. And then we, it was great. Then we went back to the high school and then other friends came to all of us say, Hey, where were you guys last weekend? (laughs) Like we didn't see around. And I said, well, well, why don't you, uh, you know, we're doing a retreat. And then he said, and then they were kind of offended. Why didn't you invite us? You know, and I said, you, you are partying all the time. Like you, you you never study, you never do anything. And he was upset. He was actually offended that Mm -hmm. I didn't invite him. You know, mm. so it, it made me think there's a lot of people out there looking for deeper meaning as well. And so for like four weekends in a row, I was bringing friends to, to that retreat at that Trappist Monastery. And they were all looking to me to know what to do, because on a Friday night, they had no clue what to do there. There's no no one to guide us. Right. There's no monk to tell us what to do. So they would look to me because I had more one more retreat than they did. You know, yeah. so. So I'd say, oh, let's do this or let's do that. Let's spend all night in the chapel and see what happens and <laughs> all these different things. And so, yeah, so it was a great experience in that way. And um, and then the more I I, I started, uh, you know, loving Christ, being a, his friend, I would go to visit him um, at the chapel. And all of a sudden the vocation became so strong, I couldn't even, I couldn't say no to it. Mm-hmm. It was so like irresistible you know it's like someone's you know it's like when you fall in love with a woman or something like you 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 just have to put the brakes on there is this it's like this incredible attraction for me it was like that it was uh and then i was reading a lot of i i would say dangerous books like saint books and things like that it really made me want to be a missionary right and 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 so I was keeping all this inside, you know, and I, I had even decided, oh, yeah, I, I just want this. I just want to be a priest. I just yeah. want to be a priest or whatever God wants. And then my dad, he was really suspicious, you know, of yeah. me a little bit. He said, uh, there's something going on here. And then he he asked me the question, are you going to be a priest or what? And then I, I was thinking to myself, wow, like, uh, if I say yes, everybody's going to know about it. And uh, you know, when you're a teenager, you're worried about being branded, right? Nah. This is like this is going to be the point of no return here.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's a time to you know, the, okay, there's a line, and uh, do I cross that line or no? And then I felt that God wanted me to. He wanted me to be a witness. He wanted me to say out loud to the world that, yeah, I'm going to be a priest, and I and I want to. And so I, I and then I just told my dad, yes. And then the next day, everyone knew, everyone, like the whole school, even the towns on the other, all the towns around. <laughs> so, yeah, it was quite, it was quite something. And uh, so the, from that day on, I was pretty, I was really convinced that this was this was for me. And then this hermit, you know, that uh, he lived in the woods there, I would often go see him. And he was an amazing rabbinical scholar. He he uh, He could listen for hours, this guy talking about the Bible. You know, he would just connect all the dots and he would even need a Bible in his hand. He quotes you all the passages. He spent all his days, years and years studying the Bible. So it was a pretty incredible guy. He knew a lot about the church, too. So he he says, oh, I I have a place for you to go. You know, so he organized for me to visit uh, the Legionaries of Christ. Um, Because at that time, I had no clue I was going to be a monk or a, a diocesan priest or Whatever it was, but he had an eye, so he felt uh, maybe a missionary priest, you know. So he sent me to go visit the Legionaries Le- of Christ. And the first day I arrived there, I knew it was it was for me. Like wow. yeah, I just, this is like the first half hour. I called my mom and I said, "Yeah, I think this is it," wow. you know. And so it was never doubted ever since. Uh, it's been a beautiful. So it fits like a glove. It's just a beautiful vocation. To help to empower the laity, you know, to become apostles. That's what I, I really believe in that, you know, that especially the power everyone is called to be a saint and everybody's called to be a, a great missionary. Yeah.
0: In their, well, own, thank way, you. their own way. Th-
1: yeah. Agreed. Thank That's you. That's how I got involved in all this, you
0: know. Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm glad that that was my first question because that was a great story. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us.
1: Yeah. So yeah, there. So yeah, my dad had a great influence in my life because he was a very uh, he was strong on principles, but also yeah. he was he was very close to you too. He talked to us a lot, and and so and and the fact that he would lead the prayers, he would he would go on his knees and lead the rosary, and, mm. it was, uh, and he he would say things about the Bible, and it just it stayed with you. You know, it was very powerful. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's incredible. Yeah, I, you know you hear so many uh, stories of of the wounds that fathers can leave sometimes, and and maybe some of the brokenness that the uh, fathers who don't live up to their vocation can cause. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that old that passage. I think it's in like Deuteronomy or something about um, the sins of the fathers will be visited to seven generations. Like that brokenness is passed down. But what I love about your story is like the opposite is also true that goodness and righteousness and like holiness can also be passed down and that fathers can have a tremendous impact for good when they embrace their God-given vocation. And I wonder, you know, you had these two father figures almost like this this hermit who is like kind of guiding you and and also your your sounds like very holy father who, was you know leading his family and and so i'm wondering like have, have these two men like shaped how you are a father you know I mean, you, you are a father as well a spiritual father and i'm wondering if their influence has shaped how you approach your work as a priest um you know in in either subtle ways or big ways like have they have those two figures kind of shaped how you um, you know, guide the faithful and 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 minister to them.
1: Definitely, uh, you know, I always think about their example. My dad was not the perfect man, but he he did a lot of great things uh, right, um, and he was just very honest and just a guy that uh, and he's fun to be with and all that. But at the same time, he was strong on principles and and he wasn't he wasn't afraid to be humble and admit his mistakes and and things like that. For me, that's what really struck with me with my dad is that was able to you know to be to be very honest with his mistakes and be and then say yeah then I'm going to try to make things better and uh like he he's the type of person that wouldn't wouldn't be afraid to say his confession in front of everybody like he's and I I remember as a, a as a priest, he, sometimes he, he would come to confession to to me his own son you know so wow. <laughs> I admire I admire my dad I said you don't have to do that you know <laughs> You don't have to do that because uh, probably even recommended you don't. I don't care, you know. So he, my dad is like that, and and I always try to live up to that. I, I'm not as good as him, probably, but uh, I always have his example uh, in my in in my head about that, and just a uh, a man that tries to do God's will, and um, and he prays, and you know, so that's that's very good. And then the, the hermit, uh, he asked me um if he helped me to to be uh to, on this vocation he said you you have to repay me by praying for me so mm-hmm. so he said that that's how you're going to repay me every time you at mass you think of me you know so uh and and and, and say a prayer for me so every time i at mass now i think of him because in the end him like if if would be for him I, I don't even know if i'd be a uh, practicing catholic right now mm-hmm. I Probably. I could be on drugs right now or wherever he was and uh you know he he stepped up he actually reached out to my dad and that had a huge influence on my family and yeah so it's pretty it's pretty amazing thing um his his sense of uh of god and god's will and uh, loving the love of scripture uh that that has really struck with me as well for that that hermit
0: yeah. Wow, I think that's just great. Um, I wanted to sh- switch a little bit and talk about nature. I want to I want to hear from you, Father, and and you know what it is that that you find in nature. We know as Catholic men, esto right? That means be a man or act like a man. Um, it's it's so important for us to reconnect with God, and one of those things that broke at the fall of man was um, our relationship with creation and with nature, and. And i just love to hear from you about uh, what it is that you love about nature. I know that you like to go hiking. I also read that you uh, do these uh, pilgrimage uh, retreats and treks across the wilderness and stuff. would love to hear a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, the wilderness has always been very close to me because we live in New Brunswick. We're just like, it's, it's a lot like the, the state of Maine. It's like, it's just all woods, you know, mm. and very few people live there and like in the back of our house, we could get lost because sixty miles of woods be behind our house, and so all my all my uncles were all hunters. my my grand My grandparents were all hunters, and uh, so a lot of woodsmen, you know, fishing, all kinds of things, and so it, it always we would always often go in the woods to to play or to go hunting to go and just just to camp out there. And somehow, especially when I became more involved with God, more of a deeper relationship with him, especially with prayer, I started even more loving nature. I always saw God in nature in many ways. It, it's, like, it's like it brings me closer to him. It helps my prayer. Sometimes uh, I would just go a whole weekend just uh, camping out there. And then it's like a, it's like a retreat for me, you know, just to hear the the silence uh, that is out there. Um it's, it's very, it's very, very amazing, you know? So, so nature, and then in our formation as legionaries we always, that's one thing I really loved about it. One day a week, we would always go on a hike, you know, hike in the mountains. So we would go three, three together, teams of three, and then we would go hiking on the trails and spend all day out there on top of the mountains, uh, smaller mountains, but in Connecticut or, or just in the woods and just uh, to see god there in nature as well you know it's just it just helps a lot um and so we we always did that in our formation everywhere we went and as a priest i continued doing that and uh and then also i discovered backpacking as well i started doing that recently Uh, not recently but in about 10 years ago i started doing that more uh, overnighters and uh i really fell in love with that so there was a couple of trips It's just the the incredible silence and then also what nature teaches you, right? That goes back to um, just basic things. So it, it helps me to be detached from things, you know, in nature, you're just what you have on your back, you know, and then it makes you think, for example, why did I bring this thing? I didn't even need this thing. And it just adds more weight to all those miles I'm doing. And or why did I bring that other thing that I actually needed, but I didn't bring? So it just makes you realize we just we just try to carry on our back what we actually need and throw away what we don't need. So it really helps you to to live that. And it's like a, a allegory of life as well. Like we all have sort of this spiritual backpack that we have, you know, and then we're only pilgrims through this world and we're not here to stay and we have to journey uh, through it so we can't just have this huge backpack and try to otherwise it's going to wear you out you know wear you down and you're attached to things and you so you can't really journey very much um so so there's a bit of that and then also the dangers that are out there you know helps me to think about spiritual dangers of normal world over here we have a lot of grizzlies you know and bears and mountain lions wolves you know so you're especially bears like it's very easy to to surprise a bear if you're not if you're not watchful right the bear is he's just trying to do his thing but all of a sudden if you're not watching if you're not uh shouting or whatever if you're not letting him know that you're there you could meet face to face and that's not a good thing to do with a grizzly bear <laughs>
2: no.
1: so uh so you're always aware that there are so you always have to warn him that you're coming so that he he can just go away or, you know, so you avoid encounters. Yeah. Um, so for me, that thing makes me think a lot about spiritual life. Yeah. There's a lot of like dangers out there. We have to be careful about and, and be watchful and prayerful about. And, and just to be aware of, of, of the f- different things. And it's even put in the our father, right? Deliver, deliver us from evil, you know, let us not fall into temptation, etc., etc.
2: Yeah.
1: It's, it's part of the pilgrim's journey. And uh, being out going out there, it makes me think of that. And also the rivers, rivers can be dangerous. Like crossing rivers, like you have to go around it. The mountains, the weather—you you always have to be aware of what's going on. And um, it can easily, you know, something can go bad very quickly if you're not careful. And it, it happened to me once or twice. Yeah, so.
2: Tell us about that. Uh, what were those adventures uh, where you kind of uh, encountered the power of nature up close and and uh, maybe had some negative side
1: effects? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one uh, that happened last summer. I was with another priest. Uh, he wanted to see the, the Rocky Mountains and he had a couple of days, so I, I took him on a three day backpacking trip. And so we were really far off into another remote valley. And so we had to cross these rivers. And I have shoes that they they dry quickly, you know. So he had boots, which you don't want to get wet because it never dries out almost. uh, Blisters. So he would always take him off. And it was very painful to cross barefoot across the river with all those pebbles and rocks and things. And so when I crossed quickly, I said to myself, well, I can just give him my shoes. He could cross easily. And that way, we just, you know, that's an act of charity. You know, I'll just do that. But you know, we walk. We were walking for like fourteen kilometers already, and you're tired, and you don't think straight. So I, I, I was trying shouting over the river, saying, "I'm going to throw you my shoes. to so be careful." So I'm just, gonna, I just threw it. But he was, I mean, because of the sound, the noise, and we didn't really communicate. I should have waited till he was actually looking at me, and then there would have been better communication that way. But so he was looking away and the shoes fell next to him, but it fell in the water. Uh, so it took my shoes away and just like that. And it was gone. I tried even running after it. I there was no way. You know, no. so, yeah. <laughs> all I of can sudden, feel the
2: pain even long distance. <laughs>
1: <so>. <laughs> imagine, imagine all of a sudden I start realizing, oh my goodness, like I have to walk two more days over two mountain passes barefoot. Mm. That's not a good situation to be in. Like I could picture my feet going totally shredded, you know, totally. And uh, so, and I didn't have any way to communicate with the outside world. It's like middle of nowhere. So there's no connection. So what do you do, you know? So the other father, he said, hey, why don't we make new shoes? (laughs) So we, so I started thinking about it. So I got into my backpack and I found this, uh, this sort of a, like a food bag that was kind of leathery. So I, I, with my knife, I cut it in half, and I put both uh, put that over my two feet. And I found this Gorilla tape. Always bring Gorilla tape on the back. <laughs> kinds. You can do all kinds of things with that. So, so I started. So he gave me the insoles of his boots, you know? So I put it in there, and then I taped it around. And then I put two pairs of socks on top of that. And then I wanted to protect the socks. So I had this tarp that I cut and then put it over. It was tough material. And, uh, but then I ran out of tape. So, uh, <laughs> but I remember that I always bring extra boot laces because that you can tie things with it yeah. in case you need it. But so, so I started, uh, you know, tying all that together. So long story short, I, I walked two days with that uh, wow. with these, uh, made up moccasins. And uh, I didn't have one blister, not one wound, nothing. nothing wow. Else. That's amazing. So was, That's a a really, I was so stoked about that. You know, it's really awesome. Oh, but it really was, is. it's funny when I tell that story, because when I tell that story to women, they always say, they're always concerned, you know? Oh, my goodness. How <laughs> do you choose? What's how? When I tell that to men, they say, well, how stupid was that? That's their reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that oh. was a stupid thing to do. <laughs> when you know, throwing your shoes over the river, right? So, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no. So, everything everything was going great till that moment when I did that sort of a stupid move, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like in a could be poss- possible terrible situation. Yeah.
2: It reminds me of that story I read in high school like Jack London the had to build a fire or he's like building a fire he finally gets it going but he built it under a tree and then
1: the snow melts off and like and it's all yeah. over at that point so yeah, yeah. there's so many things like you can do out in the, out in the wilds right you're you're not thinking or something like that you have to be aware and you have to learn from mistakes and yeah that's why i like it it's, it really puts you in the moment you know and then you i always try to apply spiritual realities to that you know and another thing I love doing out there is, uh, you know, it's like to see the lessons as well that you learn out there, right? Like I remember brought a, a group of boys on a hike. And uh, and I remember they were always complaining. We were going over like this. It was in the New York Opera State. It was, a, it was a Whiteface Mountain. And so these were like 12-year-old boys So from my our camp that I was I was a chaplain to. And so I was bringing up the to climb Whiteface Mountain. And they were always complaining and all that. And then I said to them, okay, look, you, you maybe you can not make it up to the top, but uh, I'm going to take a little group and come with me. And we're going to make it all the way to the top. Because I knew those kids, they they were like tough and they wanted to do it, you know? Yeah. And then the other kids were complaining all the time of a headache and all these different things. I told them, look, you can come with me if you want to. And I'm going gonna, gonna to leave you with uh, the, other, the other seminarian. I was a seminarian at the time. And if I'm going to leave you He'll he'll stay here, and then when we come back, we'll go back down. But if you want to come with me, if you want to come with me, you have to make it all the way to the top, and you cannot complain because mm-hmm. you decided to come with me. I gave you the choice, and uh, and so I turned around and I started going with that little group that I'd chosen because I knew they wanted to go to the top, you know. And I looked, I looked back. All the boys were following me you know (laughs) not one stayed back they all wanted to go to the top after that little speech and they didn't complain not even once and they all made it to the top and they were so happy about it it was like a like a kind of a interesting moment right that to see about about toughness actually willpower and you know just you know embrace it and just Decide to want to go to the top. If you do that, then you're not going to complain anymore. Right. Yeah. And so that was a, an awesome moment I can remember that happened on those trips. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. So,
0: as a legionary, you mentioned that you're helping individuals become apostles, right, for the mission. And, yeah. uh, you know, we think about our lost identity as men, not understanding that we're sons of God and that we need to learn to reconnect with that so what are the, some of the things that you do to guide men to to better accept their mission to to accept them as apostles like i mean very often we have so many men even those that listen to a show that really all they're doing is is going to mass on sunday which is is great and, and necessary but but how do we call them to more what do you do in these situations to really bring men to the next level
1: yeah, that's good. I, I always try to give a lot of attention to men because um, women actually they they're, they have a very strong sense of of God and and the sacred and and uh, they, they they usually give me a lot of work. Like they they come after the priest. They say you know they they always propose a lot of things. And so, but men, if we we have to give them a little bit of attention and. Uh, and once you do, they really, they really respond, you know, they love this brotherhood and they really love this. So uh, the last couple of years, I decided I'm just going go to go different cities and really try to, to get the men to be in connection with God and start all these spiritual exercises, retreats for men. And uh, so I started at least five or six of them. So you get every year now you have these, these, these spiritual exercises and I do these uh, these camps where we have 40, 50 men every summer that comes to those. And and so they get in touch with with our, our Lord and uh through through the mass, through the reflections. And they, you know, they then they go deeper into that spiritual exercise, those retreats. And uh, when in connection with God, you know, they really they really grow. They really grow, you know, and they especially and also being together with the other. other men you see that there there are other men like that a little bit like what happened to me with that that one retreat i went to when i was 16. yeah on my own and then all of a sudden all my friends wanted to be there too uh you know that was that was a great uh circle that we created brotherhood you know so you get men to be in connection with god first of all uh to grow in their spiritual life and i always try to be realistic you know if you only give that ten minutes, you know I like what Matthew Kelly says about that, right? Like, if you only allow God a foothold in your life, give them give them ten minutes. Oh, you're that like, way well, you really speak with Him, man. It's going to change your life, you yeah. know. And that that's I try to get men to, to, to do that, you know, just baby steps, you know. And then having that uh, that weekend with our Lord on a retreat, I give him the, I give him the lots of passages from the Gospel and. and 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 spiritual exercises they can do and uh really really helps a lot and then also we on for example at the the camps that we have here we we have a track just for the men the the dads of the boys so we have things for the boys and a track for the dads where they they study what it means to be a husband to be a father and to go deeper and we have a lot of discussions on that and it's really, it's really beautiful to see that as they discover more and more their, their vocation.
0: And those are up in uh, Canada that you're you're doing those retreats?
1: Yes, all over like Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Vancouver, uh, uh, Saskatchewan. Wow. <laughs> all those Sometimes I even go to Quebec. And last year I went to Quebec. We had 60 men there on, on the retreat. Wow, there's God. So the men, men are spiritual. They're deeply spiritual. And uh, you know they did. They wanted. We just have to organize it and challenge them. Especially, they like to be challenged, right? Yeah. And they they, they like to do something extreme. Men are like that. Yeah. You know? That's that's a nice thing about it.
0: Yeah, the adventure within us for sure.
1: And one extreme thing we did once when I was on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I had a group of young young adults, young young guys, with me. And uh, I had mentioned that there's a possibility we can stay all night in the Holy Sepulchre, you know, because they they locked the door from the outside, you know. Yeah. And so I just kind of floated the idea out there. And they came to me and said, we want to do that. <laughs> so, And a lot of these guys were pretty raw in their faith. They they just sort of just starting to discover Christ. And so uh, so I decided when it, when they it came to me with that, I said, oh, man, I got to do it now. because." <laughs> They, that's one thing they want to do. So I have I have to be there for them and make it happen. So we ended up staying in there all night long from like 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning. And that's when they reopened the door. Mm. You're not allowed to sleep in there. You have to pray all night. Wow. You know? So when, when the door were locked, boom. And all of a sudden, you realize, wow, 9 p.m. and you have all night to be in there. It's, it's pretty intimidating. Wow, that would be yeah. yeah. And so they all looked at me. What do we do now? <laughs> and I did exactly what I did when I was sixteen. You said, "Well, let's let's say a rosary together." So he started saying a rosary, and that really gets you in the mood. You know, it really gets mm. you to pray. If you have a hard time praying, say the rosary. It just really does that. And then That's we went to went to Calvary because in the whole Sepulchre you have both Calvary and you have, and you also have the tomb, the empty tomb. So and you're in there all night. You have access to those things all night long. So we I brought them to Calvary and we read all the passages from the passion mm. where it exactly happened right there, right? And then we said and then we would meet in the tomb and read all the passages about the resurrection. Anyway, we did that all night, you know, all these things and it went by like that. And then the end of the pilgrimage I asked everyone, you know, what what was it that hit you the most and what did you like the most? They didn't say the Dead Sea or all the other stuff. They uh, they said it was that night we spent together in the Holy Sepulchre. Mm-hmm. Just that experience for them, it was totally out of this world.
0: Yeah, transformative. Um, yeah,
1: transformative, and it was an extreme, sort of an extreme thing, but together. And so I think if we if we can provide experiences like that with men, they really they really take to that. I love it.
2: Yeah, that's, that's so powerful. I mean, uh, cognitive like lectures and, you know, information can only get you so far. Like on some level men really respond to that experiential element. And so I you're you're part of these retreats um with this this Estovira expeditions, but like what is it that's so powerful about getting men out in the wilderness, out of their comfort zone and like like what what is powerful about that in your experience? Like what have you seen happen in men as they kind of go on these expeditions? And yes, there's a spiritual element and um, but but what do you see happen in those moments?
1: Well, yes, there is that being totally disconnected, right? When you you can't go on your phone, you can't go on internet, it's it's not available to you. And and you have to fend for water and you have to uh, you know who's going to get the firewood and you know you really quickly see who's only thinking about themselves <laughs> all the time those who are braggarts you know oh, i'm good at this good at that Well, you go on these trips uh you start realizing who really helps out who really and then and then you learn those lessons and and also the silence and and around the campfire with the right, uh, the right kind of discussions, right? Because it all, all you know, even there you can make it in a way that's very worldly. But we try to bring in the gospel, try to bring in good discussions about what it means to be a man, what it means to be, a, you know, husband, father, and then also how to be a spiritual leader in their house and uh, to be a man of God. And all these different things, and so that that whole that whole experience together, that atmosphere, really brings them to think about their life yeah
0: yeah reminds me of uh john paul ii saying that you know through the glories of nature we recognize the infinite power of the creator right and we're able to connect with that that power and experience that uh the transformation well, i want to take a moment and just talk briefly about Estovir expeditions so men, if you are interested uh obviously father's going to be leading the one in july july 12th through the 16th in golden colorado there uh he's going to be saying mass daily it is for men of all ages i know men in their 30s 40s and 50s that are going to be there i'm sure there's men in their 60s so not to exclude anybody um uh, definitely I encourage you to go check it out at estoverexpeditions.com i will drop that in the show notes but Father, for people who can't make this um, expeditions, for men who can't, but they do want to connect with nature, how would you encourage them to get started? What, what would you suggest they do? And maybe uh, maybe it's been years since they've been hiking and uh, they don't quite know what to do. How would you um, get them to to practically get started on that and then connecting with God and nature? I'd love to hear that for my final question.
1: Yeah, it, uh, I, I think with God, not even on you know every trip out with nature it could be just two hours really just walking there and looking at the beauty of nature and asking yourself who created this right who created this that this is so beautiful but well, imagine the one who created it you know the 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 artists behind all this and why did he create it right why because he loves you it's actually a gift to you like mm-hmm. you, you look at the mountains. You look at the sky, you look at the trees. You said, this is a gift from me, for me, from the creator. It's a love letter. Everything is a love letter from God, you know, creation. It's a gift. There were saints that, uh, there was one saint, I think he he would walk every day and he would see the flowers on the side of the road and he would say, he would tell him, stop it, stop it, I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> because they were, they were telling him so much love from God, you know, because wow. they... It's A gift, it's a, the beauty of it. So if you see it that way, then everywhere you are, it doesn't have to be fascinating, it doesn't have to be the Rocky Mountains, it doesn't have to be this is anything that God has made, is it's a gift to you, right? That little flower on the side of the road is it's for you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it it makes you say, Hey, there's one here that's that loves you, you know. I'm right here to tell you that. That's what it tells me. So yeah. for me. That's uh, that's what it speaks, and that's where we can uh, we can experience all that. Agreed. And on my trips, I have the great gift also to celebrate mass in nature and give thanks to God for all that. So it's very beautiful to to have that mass out there with an incredible background and the the silence. Also, is very it's very nice to have. And then I, I can even say that I had a bear show up to my mass once. Yeah yeah about three years ago so he was curious and came and came to see us and uh and so we kind of stopped and then looked at him he looked at us and took off running that's that's the last but yeah. i can but i can boast that i had a bass a bear arrive at my mass that's so that was fun
0: nice. i love that that's so great and so simple though and i want to appreciate you saying that because it is so simple it doesn't have to be this whole grand experience or you go on a three or four day expedition you know backpacking or something like that which i love to do but you're exactly right just walk outside you know leave your phone behind and go on a walk in your neighborhood and and see god's goodness in his creation there and and reminding you that it is that intimate love that he has for you so thank you appreciate that
2: yeah and kind of drawing on what you were talking about earlier about how easily um you can make mistakes out in the wilderness when everything's kind of stripped to the bare minimum it occurred to me when you were talking like In modern men, like, we feel so, everything's controlled. Like, you've got air conditioning, you've got your vehicle that gets you from point A to B, and there's, like, always a store or restaurant nearby if you need something, you know. And it's, like, when you're in nature, it's, like, humbling. Like, we don't have a lot of experiences like that where we, like, don't have a lot of control over what happens. And it's, like, um, I appreciated you sharing those stories because it shows you, like, how fragile we actually are in the face of, uh, the face of nature. And it's like, kind of grounds you in that humility. But, but, the last thing I, the last thing for me is, is you've mentioned several times, like the silence and like how powerful the silence can be. And I'm wondering kind of like, what, what is powerful about that for you? Like, what is, um, so compelling about that?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's like Christ going out into the wilderness. Really, the silence—it's about the detachment from things of this world. Really, it's the absence of all that, and it's there is uh, to be able to create an emptiness inside so that God can fill it. Um, That's what silence really is—is about Um, to detach myself from things um, and from noise and to. I had I had this, the longest track I ever did out in the wilderness for six days. Um, and uh, I had like an, a week of vacation and I said, I'm just going to go on my own to do that. And it was the, the silence was definitely I couldn't even listen to music anymore because it was so I found it too too distracting. It became too sensitive to the silence, you know. So I, I wanted to, to, to embrace that and never disturb it. Um, and then all of a sudden, you feel that God speaks to you a lot more because you're you don't have all that noise, right? So I think that's what it's what it's about. It's not for the silence sake, but it's the fact that silence can create an atmosphere where God speaks to you more, um, and and you're able to hear a little bit more His intuitions and His little lights that He gives you, little reflections about things usually in noise or in occupation and going from one place to another for next, which happens to all of us. Uh, it's very it's a lot harder to hear that that little still voice, you know, inside of us. Um so I, I find that those those tracks like that help a lot. And then also those weekend retreats that I do, that's the, the silence that we don't I, I get the men not to talk at all to each other at all. Just to create that empty space so that they can Hear God's voice, and you will see the Scripture speaks to you a lot more. It comes alive. Uh, things that same passage you've read many, many times. All of a sudden, it tells you different things now. You know, and it's like that hermit, right? He. That's why he he knew so much about Scripture. He says it. It has so many nuggets of gold in there. If you really spend time in silence and and, and to study it, you find all those nuggets. And I would say the same thing just normal life. If you live that interior silence. So it's very hard. You have to, we have to have Tabor moments where the silence, right. And then you have the Valley moments where you, you know, you have to do all the things and occupations and you try to do the best you can to live that silence within that. But we need those Tabor moments regularly, you know, once, once or twice a year, you know, to, to really, to go back to that silence, then go back to the Valley, you know? Yeah. So that's
0: great. Wow, Father. Well, I'm just really grateful for you joining us today and for connecting with all of this. And man, listening, you heard it, you know, get out there and, and embrace the silence. Do it a couple times a year. Find a way to make it happen, right? Don't sit back and allow yourself to get uh, sucked into binge watching on Netflix and Amazon and, and your phone and all these other things because there's, God can't. Uh, speak to you clearly in that as he can out in nature so father i'm just so grateful uh for you for joining us today and uh praying for you and your successful expeditions this summer
1: thank you so much and god bless you for all the work you do and thank you for having me
0: yeah god bless and as we end each of our episodes and be a man be a saint